Amen. Amen. Saints, for the uh, verses tonight, we'd like to go read, I'll read them, Psalm 19, 1 through 5. Okay? You can follow along here. Psalm 19, 1 through 5. Okay? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night tells out knowledge. There is no speech, and there are no words. Their voice is not heard. In all the earth their line has gone forth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has made a tent for the sun, and he, like a bridegroom, goes forth from his canopy. He rejoices like a mighty man running the course. Amen. Amen. It's the reality of all the positive things. Um, and saints, I uh, just have to tell you that I, I feel that what the Lord has uh, brought to us here in this applied subjective truth, which carries to us and delivers to us the divine revelation in the expounded and interpreted word uh, is magnificent. Amen. It's magnificent. Amen. So having received something so magnificent, so exceedingly excellent, uh, a concern that I have, <clears throat> and uh, I think Brother James, uh, one of the brothers who confirmed the word in the last message, anticipated my thought and that is that we could um, step back and somehow say, no, it's too magnificent. It's too marvelous. I don't think this would uh, really, really work for me. So James stood at this microphone and said, don't ex exclude yourself. And uh, so saints, we need to rejoice that we are more as as one of the brothers said one of the other brothers said we are more than able to do this we do need this spirit of faith and we're more than able to do this and a couple of reasons we're able um, were touched on <clears throat> one is that we can have ad libitum as much as we want, the vital propelling force that makes this possible. Amen. And that is that we love the Lord Amen. exceedingly. Uh, we realize not enough, but we want more. Amen. We want more. And our feeling, our yearning for more of the Lord becomes, as we mentioned, an impetus becomes something that that propels us yes propels us to meet the lord in circumstance after circumstance 
situation after situation. You know, it's almost as if, you know, I, I think some of you are computer programmers, which I'm not, but I understand that there's a computer language. Am I right? There's computer language. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a symbol, and the electronic device is able to recognize the symbol. And this symbol, this symbol uh, translates for the, or, or is equivalent to, in the electric, electronic device to a series of steps, operations, and things. And so these matters in our surrounds, in our, in our uh, environment, which is really the Lord waiting for us and whispering to us, as we love him, we have, we have something that even the enemy cannot barricade. We're going for him. We're seeking him. We're going after him. Now, so one um, <clears throat> provision, so I'd like to mention two provisions. In case you're thinking, this is too much for me, or if there's any sense that um, I don't think I can do this, or this won't work, um, I'd like to mention that you have this provision that you can continue to cultivate. With those that you're placed with in your locality, those that you're related to, you can be, you can be the present-day psalmists, pursuing the Lord together as his loving seekers. And this is the best way to develop that inclination, that attitude that you have within. The second thing is, the saints, we have a regenerated spirit. And in our regenerated spirit is, amazingly, the very one whom we contact through the agency of the shadows around us. And with that one, our precious Lord Jesus, who indwells, is a new skill set. Capacities that you don't have. Capacities that you never dreamed of. So you might say, well, in my limited human capacity, attending to something, when I'm at work and I've got a job to do, the last thing I can think about is contacting the Lord as the reality of the things in my office. <laughs> but let me clarify that you don't do this in your natural capacity. You do this in your born-again, regenerated, divine capacity that's yours in your mingled spirit that allows you to do just that. So maybe, maybe humanly, you have trouble <coughs> doing two things at once, i.e. balancing an accounting sheet and thanking the Lord that your calculator represents the Lord Jesus as the 
um, omniscient one. <laughs> but in your born-again capacity, he augments, enters in, and fills your natural capacity, giving it new potential and new abilities. And it's in that ability that, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can. See, you can. Experience him as the reality of all the shadows. So you put these two together, the fact that you have this amazing capacity in your regenerated spirit. And in and through your regenerated spirit, you also are cultivating your love for him as he indwells. These two together allow you to be an enjoyer of Christ that you couldn't be in your native capacity. And so it's in this capacity. I want you to, I want you to know, we can do this. Amen. We can do this. Amen. Saints, are you willing to do this? Amen. Are you willing to endeavor to do this? The saddest thing I could think of would be after we have this weekend together, and we're together in our homes, around the table, in groups, maybe in the prayer meeting, wherever we are. And there's no reflection on this. There's no prayer. Lord, what about my advancement, my progress in this? Lord, how am I doing in the application of this? Amen. If, if there isn't that kind of tone, that kind of sounding it means that we didn't take these two agent we didn't take these two um, resources that we have our newfound new birth new capacity to touch him while we live our human life while we live our daily life and number 2 our capacity to ultimately develop our cleaving yearning love for him so, you know, in, in, um, if I could refer to Song of Songs 1-4, you know, Song of Songs 1-4 is a lovely verse. It has Song of Songs 1-4, A, B, C, D, E. You know, sometimes we'll refer to, as we did in, in Colossians 2-18, we refer to Colossians 2-18-A as the first part of the verse. And one of the most lovely verses in the New Testament is Song of Songs 1-4, which has A, B, C, D, E. It has these clear portions, it says, <clears throat> draw me, we will run after you, A. The king has brought me into his inner chamber, B. We will rejoice and be glad in you, C. We will extol his love more than wine, D. Rightly do they love him, E. So that's Song of Songs 1-4. So I'd like to comment on Song of Songs uh, for B and C. <laughs> Song of Songs uh, 4 B says, The king brought me into his inner chamber. Do you know what that refers to? That refers to your new cleaving to your mingled spirit. 
just as if you were just regenerated. Of course, in Song of Songs 1-4, the seeker was not just regenerated. She was awakened. She was awakened. And that's what the Lord would like to do with us, don't you think? He'd like to awaken us. Awaken us. So she was awakened, and then, with a flash, a presentation, a sense of his ultimate attractiveness, she was after him. She was after him. Then, after he, after she praised him a little bit, he said, okay, and he brought her into his inner chambers, which are her mingled spirit. Her mingled spirit was the king's inner chambers. And so this is the experience of our regeneration, our regeneration experience. When we first told the Lord that we loved him, we first opened the Lord and he came in and he brought us, he came with us into the inner chamber of our mingled spirit. Now, when we, every time we touch him in something in our surrounds, we, we have this experience again. So, Song of Songs 1-4-B says, the king brought me into his inner chambers. Then C says, we will rejoice and be glad in you. So, the exposition on this verse fragment is that when the Lord brings us into our mingled spirit for the first time with regeneration and then newly and progressively from then on, the drapes, the curtains are lifted or pulled back and we see our future and we see what's ahead and what it's going to be like and what's going to become of us. And what is it? 4C says, we will rejoice and be glad in you. In other words, when we were regenerated, based upon his entry into our spirit, causing it to be regenerated, and being our new capacity to apprehend and to, to receive revelation, the revelation we receive is the enjoyment that he has waiting for us. We will, we, corporately, we will rejoice and be glad in you. So these, these two verse fragments bring together these two resources that we have, our regenerated spirit and our longing for the Lord and cause us to realize, I want to have a life of, and my future is a future of, enjoying him. Amen. Enjoying him. Saints, that's our future. So we have to not exclude ourselves not discount what's ahead, we have a glorious future. He's in us, Colossians 1.27, as the hope of glory, and that glory is the ultimate result of our enlarging enjoyment of him. So this enjoyment, this enjoyment, which in Colossians 2 depends upon our engaging him through the opportunity of everything we notice and encounter in our, in our environment will take us all the way to the fulfillment of that hope of glory, all the way to uh, 
the glory of Revelation 22:17. Well, saints, let's go on now. And um, in this portion, there are maybe three things that I'm going to try to emphasize among these outline points. One is enlarging on the fact that the things that we encounter in our immediate personal environment uh, are shadows of the Lord, of our precious Lord Jesus as the reality. As one of the brothers also mentioned in, the confer in their confirming words, the entire creation is in that principle. The entire creation is in that principle, and that's why we read Psalm 19, 1 through 5. So, mention that. Uh, we'll mention that <clears throat> I'd like to emphasize a little bit about the importance of the types in the Bible for our enjoyment of Christ. Then I'd like to mention in the various types, categories of things that are types in the Old Testament, I'd like to, I'd like to emphasize the typology of the precious metals among those category, in, the, in those categories, and of the burnt offering as the offering representative of all the offerings which, please tell me if you don't think this is right, which matches experientially taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. So that's kind of what we'll try to do here in this short time. So, <clears throat> Roman numeral two. The all-inclusive Christ is the reality of all the positive things in the universe. So Roman numeral two restates and serves as a summary of the entire Roman numeral one that we had in the first message. But notice here, this isn't just a repetition, notice the verse references. The verse references speak loudly to us, and I think they're familiar to you. The first one is Romans 1.20, which talks about, you'll remember, is a verse on the entire physical material creation and how in its grandeur, in its beauty, in its awesomeness. You remember Brother Ed recently talked to us about the way that the creation manifests Christ. That it does so, so explicitly that no man is with excuse of denying the deity, the Godhead, and the reality of Christ. So Romans 1.20 here refers to the material creation. Then Ephesians 3.18 refers to an amazing spiritual entity that corresponds. Let's call Romans 1.20 the created material universe. If Romans 1.20 is the created material universe, then, so, then Ephesians 3.18 is the corresponding, more vast, more real, spiritual universe. So, 
you, you remember that in Ephesians 3.18, it refers to that Christ may make his home in our hearts. And then goes on, then goes on to say, so that with all the saints, we might apprehend the depth, the height, the length, the width, and to know the knowledge surpassing love of Christ. So, so the four linear dimensions here are the measurements of the spiritual universe. The depth, the height, the length, the breadth. And what are the units on these dimensions? Undefined. So which is greater? The material universe that astronomers and geophysicists or astrophysicists are unable to quantify? Which is larger, that great universe or the dimensions of Christ? The dimensions of Christ far exceed the dimensions of the material universe. And so these two verses indicate that the author of this outline is telling you that you live in a material universe on a planet in the material universe. And this material universe is a shadow. And the planet is a shadow. And the material things in your personal universe are shadows. And that there exists for you. Not to theorize or write poetry about, but for you to experience with your six senses, your five material senses and the sixth sense of your mingled spirit. You are to experience, enter into, and enjoy a universe of reality which is Christ dimensionless as a universe in which you are to live and to be for your present and your future enthralled with an ever new exposure and an ever new presentation of what Christ is as the reality of the material things that you have come to know. And you will identify those things of which he is the reality. And you will actually bring forth things of reality in that spiritual universe by your taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's the import, that's the impact of Roman numeral two. Oh, may we pray this. Remember we had uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, says that, again, again, that we cannot comprehend what God has prepared for those who love him. It is a realm that's so great that it's beyond what you can hear. And it stretches on beyond what you can see. And then it says, and then it says, that realm, that realm is, in, ver in verse 10, is the depths of God. So this universe is God himself, into whom Christ, as the reality of all the positive things, 
takes us as we touch him through the material things around us and enter into him through him into the depths of God. And then he, as the spirit of reality, does active research to guide us into and disclose to us what is there of the experiences that are to come. This is John 16, 13 that we read. So, nothing less than this is what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So, uh, A here says that this is an amazing, amazing point, which, uh, again, one of the confirming brothers in the last message referred to. And this uh, can be found in a few places in, in the ministry. The most recent place we found this is in Brother Lee's exposition of Ezekiel chapter 1. You may remember encountering this in his exposition of Ezekiel chapter 1. He said that the divine realities conveyed in Ezekiel chapter 1 are beyond our comprehension. So there had to be some physical things described there, such as four living creatures and other things, for us to be able to have an idea of what it was referring to. In that context, Brother Lee makes a statement like this. He says, Because the universe, with the billions of things and persons in it, was created for the purpose of describing Christ, How many PhDs through the generations have wondered about what brought the universe into being? What forces were operative and what were the guiding influences that, that, brought, that brought forth the universe? 1 Corinthians 2.9 You have to love the Lord to be able to know. And here's what one of the lovers of the Lord had revealed to him, that the universe, with the billions of things and persons in it, was created for the purpose. It was created, and it was created for the purpose of describing Christ. So that he, in revealing himself to his disciples, could easily find an environment, in any environment, something or someone to serve as an illustration of himself. What a revelation! Huh? And so, John 1.51, he's the ladder, he's the door, he's the grain of wheat, etc., etc. Uh, and then, he's so much that, um, referring to this, Matthew 21.25 says, I'm sorry, John 21, 25 says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose, that not even the world itself could contain the books written. Because as he was living, everywhere he went, everything he, everything he encountered was a picture of himself, and gave him the opportunity to live in relation to that thing as the God-man. 
And then what he did, what he did, if it were written, was much more, much greater than all those things. And so, logically, the world itself would not be able to contain the things written as he lived in relation to the things that represented him. Now, we as his continuation are to multiply that experience. Each one of us, dear saints, now are to live as he lived and to encounter him in our environment, interact with him through those things, and all of the experiences that result will become divine facts in the eternal spiritual realm of the universe of reality that is described in Ephesians 3.18. You might have noticed my use of the word divine facts. You may remember in the book The God-Man Living, describing the Lord's God-Man Living, said that everything that he did was a divine fact. And the reason it was a divine fact was when he took a drink, he took a drink with the Father. In fellowship with the Father. Touching the Father. And he never did so as a normal, yet perfect and sinless man. He always did so in fellowship with the Father. As a result, everything that he did was not just a historic matter, but became an eternal reality and was a fact because it was an eternal reality. Not just not just a page in, in, in this historic account. Now, when we take Christ, when we experience him as our table, as our chair, as our clock, as our lamp, we cause what otherwise was a transient, fading, unreality, such as that lamp, that, that chair, and that table, and cause it through our interaction with it in touching him, regarding it, we cause that thing to become real in a sense that it was not before. This table, 50 years from now, if if the earth still exists, if the Lord hasn't returned and brought in the kingdom. or Anyway, if, if, if this, 50 years from now, there's a good chance this table will not exist. But my interaction with this table tonight, presenting this table to you as a means and an instrumentality for me to touch and experience the Lord has caused my interaction with this table to become a divine fact that will allow this table in that experience to become part of the eternal realm. And this table has a depth of reality that it did not have before I had that interaction with it. So you do a quite a merciful thing, a, quite a positive thing for all the things in your environment, things that otherwise would be corroding, uh, deteriorating, breaking down, and would soon become nothing. When you take them as the reality, as the reality, you're doing so 
allows them to have a connection, a dimension of spiritual reality that they did not have before. And yes, they will be facts in the eternal realm. So it's not a small thing. It's not a, not a small thing. Um, so, <clears throat> saints, can you imagine? Can you imagine that when the Lord Jesus was on the earth, for the sake of his being able to elaborate the divine truths and the divine principles, he could he could point to the door and say. I am the door. And he could do so in innumerable innumerable ways. And this allowed, allowed um, the divine principles to be elaborated by him. Now, isn't that wonderful? That's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. The purpose of the arrangement and placement of these things in the Lord's environment as he walked in Palestine wasn't just so that he could point to this and say and refer to it as an element of the reality that he is, or representing an element of the, the reality that he is, but he was waiting with his reserved divine demeanor to romantically present himself to the ones he had chosen and he was expecting to have a personal, intimate, and affectionate relationship with. This is far greater than simply he had a lot of props around that he could use to, to elaborate on spiritual, spiritual truths. So regarding this, if you would like to look in message two of the life study of Psalms, Brother Lee says something like this. When man came out of God's created creating hand after his having created the heavens and the earth and the rest of, of creation, arriving at evening toward the end of the sixth day and creating man, man came out of God's hand into the present uh, trans, the tre present version says into a wedding room. Not a waiting room. A wedding room. I think the first, the first version of the, of the Life Study of Psalms says a wedding, or maybe it's what he actually said. He may have changed it. He said, the created universe was a wedding parlor. Wow. Was a wedding parlor. So there was a wedding parlor. There's a wedding parlor. And then man came out of God's creating hand into a wedding parlor indicating that man's human life in God's creation is for what? Is for divine romance, right? Is for divine romance. 
Um, and we have to switch the metaphor here a little bit because here the man is, is both the created man and eventually Adam represents Christ himself. So the wedding parlor is a sad and empty place until the bride comes. Right? So we switch metaphor here. So on this earth, we have a wedding parlor in which a bride is expected and needs to come, but hasn't come. Guess how she's going to come? She's going to come by a group of people, may I say in the Lord's recovery, taking the Lord as the reality of every, every positive thing in intended and aspiring affection, causing him to become real to them, maturing in life and growth as a result, becoming the bride, and then, then, the wedding parlor is wonderful, and the bride is there, and the bridegroom can't stay away, right? So you notice in Psalm 19, 1 through 4, which speaks specifically about God's creation being made to give a message and to speak. And what it speaks forth is related to, verse 5, the bridegroom coming, indicating that Christ, being the reality of every positive thing, was for the God-man to be able to release the divine truth, but it was even more for them and for us to be able to, as we take the creative things, cause things that otherwise would be in relief to become close up to us. So, in his demeanor, I mentioned his demeanor a few moments ago. In his demeanor, the Lord is too wonderful. He just holds back and waits. He is such a virtuous sutor. Patient, 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 patient waiting. Then, then there's a word. His name is called. And then he comes forth. So what are the things of creation for? Things of creation, we realize that they are pictures of the awaiting Christ. We say, Lord, we thank you. You are this, you are this, the reality of this, of this divider the reality of this um, window. <laughs> You're the real lattice work. And then he, from a position of relief, of being in relief, you know what I mean by relief? Being in the background, from a position of the background. Now, as we say something to him, he comes. He comes. And he's right there. He's right there with us. And so our days are to be filled with like experiences. And as we do, as we do, our love for him grows and blossoms. His presence with us flourishes and develops. He lives within us, and we live within him. And uh, this goes on. Okay, so that's point A. Point B... <laughs> Point B, uh, now, 
talks about the Old Testament uses six major categories of things as types to describe Christ. So, in order, most significantly, human beings to us should be types of Christ. Animals are used as and can be considered by us as types of Christ. Plants, minerals, offerings, and foods. Uh, <clears throat> now, a couple things I'd like to mention about typology. One is that as we consider some of the Old Testament types, we have to remember that whenever we have a type, especially in the Old Testament, it will always have a fulfillment in reality in the experience of the New Testament believer. And when, when there is the fulfillment of the type, that type is always larger, deeper, finer, and greater than the Old Testament type, as a body is than a shadow. Than a shadow. So when we marvel at some of the Old Testament types, and we realize they point to dimensions of our experience that are going to be even richer, even more full, even more precious than those Old Testament types, then that can help us to realize what what awaits what awaits us. Now, in the life study of, of Exodus, Brother Lee points out that there are various points of views related to the applicability of the Old Testament types. And for your background, I'd like to just quickly refer to uh, what he describes as seven different attitudes regarding the value of the Old Testament types, like the ones we're going to just uh, look at in just a moment. So here's the first one. The first one <clears throat> is that Old Testament persons, events, and things do not have reliable typological value. So there are a number of believers who think that uh, despite what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and other places regarding the Old Testament types, they don't believe that you can reliably apply the Old Testament types to the lives and experience of the New Testament believers. So that's the first, first possibility. So we're not in that group. We're not in that group. Next group, second. The next group is that Old Testament persons, events, and, and things do have typological value. But because these types have, by definition, their fulfillment in the New Testament age, it is sufficient to simply study the New Testament because when we study the New Testament, the fulfillment of those types will be included, so we don't need to study the types. Was that clear? Somewhat? So, so they say, yes, there are Old Testament types. They do have fulfillment. 
But don't study those Old Testament types because as you study the New Testament, you'll get them for free. You'll, you'll get you'll 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 get the you'll, you'll get the application automatically. So that's the second second group. We're not in that group. We're not in that group. So thirdly, Old Testament persons, events, and types do have typological value, but since there's no way to assure the accuracy of our interpretation of them, it's better to leave them alone in the Old Testament and not try to apply them. So, of course, that, that also uh, doesn't match the Apostle Paul's um, exposition of the word in the New Testament. But there are believers who, who believe that way. So, we're not in that group either. Then, there's a group that says, an Old Testament, Old Testament persons, events, and things have typological value if the New Testament refers to them explicitly. So if in so many words, the New Testament defines something in the Old Testament as being a type and defines its New Testament of fulfillment, then this group would say, then you can count that as a type, otherwise you can't. So we also, we also don't, we're not in that group either. Then there's one that says, it is only acceptable to apply an Old Testament type to the New Testament partially and selectively. That means that uh, it may be that there are some Old Testament matters that can be applied as types accurately, but you can't say that everything is a type and that you just have to pick and choose. So we're not in that group either. The next one is, that the entire Old Testament should be taken just as we take the New Testament, considering the Old Testament to be a picture book and the New Testament to be the explanation of the pictures. That's us. And that includes, that includes all the Old Testament types. Now the seventh is that as a result, a believer should seriously seek to study and experience these types for the sake of their enlarging enjoyment of him. So that's this message. So we should study these types because this will allow us to enjoy him more. Um, and then, and then, Maybe we could just make an addendum here. Perhaps the highest attitude is that as we take these types, as we take these types and apply them in the principle of Colossians 2, 16 to 18a, they will bring us into the ultimate enjoyment of Christ. In other words, it's only through these types that we can arrive at the highest station of the enjoyment of Christ. So Brother Lee says, studying these types will revolutionize our enjoyment of Christ. So, so we're going to um, <clears throat> look select... Uh, I'm going to have to 
I'm going to emphasize some more than others. We're going to look at six categories, six categories of these types now. So first of all, uh, one, human beings typify Christ, such as Adam, Melchizedek, Isaac, and Solomon. And so um, <coughs> these men and others, and other men, these are just um, examples, represent Christ as types in the Old Testament. This means that, this means that when we study these persons, when we study these persons, as we study them, we engage the Lord in the principle of Colossians 2:16 through 18a. We engage the Lord in our study of them, and through our study of them, are able to receive, receive Christ in a way that we wouldn't otherwise if we only studied them as historic figures. Now, these notable ones, of course, they're, they're positive, they're positive, but let's apply this now to the saints in the church life. So every saint in the church life is a positive human being. So, every saint in the church life should be, a, should be to us a type of Christ. So in our church life, in our church life, what a church life we have where every encounter, every conversation, every situation, every situation is an encounter with a person who represents Christ himself, and and who, in reality, is Christ, Amen. is Christ. Now, doesn't this make for a wonderful church life? Amen. Do you ever get irritated with anyone in the church life? <laughs> well, saints, um, um, we are helped by this. This is a great help. This is a great help. Because quickly, what the enemy tends to do is, although we have the new creation in our spirit, and increasingly in the rest of our inner man, and so do the saints, uh, the enemy would like to hold us in a realm and sphere of natural interactions with the saints. And although sometimes it seems that those are endearing, taken forward and extrapolated out, they end up being disappointing. And sooner or later, there are problems. So as we, as we consider the saints to be opportunities for us to enjoy Christ and to appreciate them as types of Christ, we are helped from relating to the saints in ways other than the boards of the tabernacle with gold to gold. When we, when we assume this position, we offer gold to the saints. And we touch them with our gold. So this makes, this makes for a lovely, lovely church life. Is there anyone here that can't forgive anyone? 
I'm guessing that there probably are among us some who have not forgiven someone. You know, this comes up among us because this is the thing that the enemy most uses to cause pain, suffering, and schism among the saints. That there's an offense, that there's an offense, and one or both parties are unable to forgive. If we could take the dear saint in whom we're involved in this way as a type of Christ and experience Christ through them in our, in our, in our interaction with them, we would notice an amazing development, and that is that very quickly we would realize we have no problem with anyone. We have no problem with anyone, and we are on, and, and we will find that as it relates to us, we are at peace with every man. This is why Colossians 3.15 comes after Colossians 2.16 through 18a. Because as we take Christ as the reality of every positive thing, we are able to let Christ arbitrate in our hearts and we have peace with one another. Anyway, uh, this is a lovely application, I think. Two, animals typify Christ, such as a lamb, an ox, a lion, an eagle. And so uh, these are identified by the word as being types, types of Christ. And a gazelle, and a gazelle, and a gazelle. So... <clears throat> Saints, as Paul said, we can be in the gentleness of Christ when we take him as our lamb and we follow the lamb. We can bear burden. Here's another problem in the church life. It's hard for us to bear a burden. But he's the burden bearer, as we take him as the reality of this particular animal in the Old Testament typology, we come to him and we have rest and uh, his yoke is light. All heaviness is, is removed. Um, likewise, likewise, we can have we can have the standing and fighting strength of the lion, and we can have we can have the soaring of the, of the gazelle, uh, soaring of the eagle, and we can be we can be as the gazelle in Song of Songs two nine. Now in Song of Songs two nine, of course, you know, I'm trying to bring Song of Songs in here because this is taking Christ as the reality of every spiritual thing is a story of the divine romance. So, you remember in Song of Songs chapter 2, verse 9, uh, the beloved calls calls to the to loving seeker. Calls to her. But where is she? She's behind a wall and, and 
On one hand, he's looking through the lattice. On the other hand, he's leaping on the mountains and skipping on the hills. And he calls to her. Now, do you know what he called to her? Did he call to her? He said, Would you please take Christ, take me, as the reality of every positive thing? Would you? And she said, no. <laughs> and so she stayed there for a while, maybe for a long while, until she learned the lesson. But it really could have been quite simple. She, she could have said, yes, and she could have started to take him as the reality of every positive thing, and she would have been out of her wall, and she would have been into our land, do you remember that phrase? Our land, where there are turtle doves and where there's spring. And so when we take Christ as the reality of every, every positive thing, we're responding to him as the gazelle. And, um, you know, in uh, Song of Songs 2.9, the gazelle is skipping on the mountains and leaping on the hills. And these represent our difficulties. Would you like to skip over your difficulties and leap on your leap over your problems? Well, do you know how you do that? According to Brother Nee's exposition, you take Christ as the reality of every positive thing. So, <laughs> this is a wonderful, wonderful revelation here. So, uh, Three, uh, plans typify Christ. So, yes, the tree of life. And in Ezekiel 35, the tree of life as the plant of renown typify Christ. The apple tree, so the vine tree, the apple tree, the olive tree, the fig tree, the pomegranate tree are all types of Christ. Plus, the different parts of a tree are also types of Christ, such as the root, the stump, the, the sprout, the branch, and the fruit. We have the respective verses there. So the all-inclusive Christ is everything in the plant life, which represents the regenerated, surging, lush, green, elegant life. He's everything. He's everything there. And... Um, he would like to be all these kinds of trees to us. So, the apple tree. Do you remember the apple tree in Song of Songs? How many times is the apple tree mentioned in Song of Songs? Anybody remember? Well, you might not remember unless you, got to ch unless you get to chapter 8. And chapter 8 refers to the apple tree and refers back to the first mention of the apple tree, which is in chapter 2. So the verses are Song of Songs 8.5 and 2.3. So in 2.3, she has learned, or she is starting to experience, 
seeing him as the reality of the apple tree, she says, Oh, my beloved is more beautiful than all the trees of the wood. And I'm under his shade, and I'm enjoying him as my fruit. So we should, we should, we should talk this way. We should talk this way. But then when you get to chapter 8, verse 5, it's no longer she who says, he's my apple tree. Now, he says, he says, back then, back then, I was the apple tree, but I also awakened you, and I caused you to be born of your mother. And every experience you've had that began with me as the apple tree and brought you all the way here to the end in maturity was all because of me. It was all because of me. I started you out under the apple tree, and now I want you to remember, I want you to remember that that was me making sure that we connected here. So he undertakes for us to enjoy him in this way. So what do we do? We should respond to him. We should realize, we should realize that he's given us a certain appreciation of him whereby we're in this very room, whereby we have a certain longing for him. Now, now, we should complement that longing by taking him as the reality of every positive thing, which she learned to do in chapter 2, and her doing so brought her to chapter 8. So that's our trajectory too. So Brother Nee's commentary on this is, is quite lovely if you'd like to refer to uh, Song of Songs by Watchman Nee. Now, nextly, <clears throat> nextly for the minerals. Now, here... Um, here, maybe um, spend a little more time. The minerals typify Christ, such as gold, silver, bronze, and iron, verses in Deuteronomy, and different kinds of stone. He's the living stone, he's the rock, he's the cornerstone, he's the top stone, the foundation stone, and the precious stones. Precious stones. So as the stone, he's all-inclusive. And you brothers who are in Itero and Addis Ababa know that as the cornerstone, just as one type of this stone, by being the cornerstone, he made possible every spiritual experience that we've had. Every spiritual experience we've had is based upon his being the cornerstone. So as the cornerstone is all-inclusive, but that cornerstone is just one of the stones. And as the stone, he's all-inclusive. And as the precious metals, he's all-inclusive. All but uh, here I'd like to... Um, refer to something I mentioned yesterday with the serving ones, and that is that <clears throat> in particular, when offerings were made for the building of the tabernacle, the most crucial thing offered was the precious metals. And so in um, Exodus chapter 35, after the revelation of the tabernacle had been given and it was time for the actual tabernacle to be built, Moses made a call for offerings so that the tabernacle could be built. And the people were to come forth and what they offered was presented to Moses and to the high priest and was heaved, was waved and heaved, 
and then after that, it could be used for the building of the tabernacle. <coughs> and so, <clears throat> it mentions in in 5:22 that the ladies brought forth such things as rings and pendants and articles of gold, and all of them brought forth something like this. And you know, there were each one of those sockets was about a hundred pounds of silver, every one of the sockets, and and all the gold for for um, the various applications. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to apply this to taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. So, Brother Lee says, Brother Lee says the following: It would not have been good. It would not have been good if you were an Israelite to have this call from Moses to offer something for the building of the tabernacle and to come empty-handed and you don't have anything. So he said, now, this was a type. We'll talk about this tomorrow morning too. This was a t the tabernacle was an important, an important type. Indicating the building up of the body of Christ in the present age. This indicates that today... God wants to build up the body of Christ, but to do so has to have offerings from us. So Brother Lee says, it would be unfortunate, just as it would have been in that day for an Israelite, it'd be unfortunate for you today if you are called upon to offer something for the building up of the body of Christ and you don't have anything. And so he asked the question, what do you have? What do you have to build up? And he said, let me illustrate how you can have something and what you might have. In those days, the ladies brought a pendant. Today, that might be considered to be like a pin or a brooch. So, I don't see any ladies with a brooch. Who just got a pendant? Yeah. So, Sister Jill has a, a, a pendant here. So, Brother Lee says, let's just say that Jillian, as she was coming to the meeting, considered wearing this pendant, and she likes the pendant. But she wonders, Lord, is this a fitting pendant for the meeting? How do you feel, Lord? Will this express you, will this be proper? So he said, as she considered her pendant in relation to the Lord and his, her, his feeling about it, the interaction that she had with the Lord regarding her pendant became a golden pendant for the building up of the body of Christ. A quote, unquote, golden pendant for the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, that pendant became a divine fact to be used in the present age and in the future age for the building up of the body of Christ based upon the fact that she she took it as something of which Christ was the reality.
So Bill has a very dignified necktie here. Let's just say that Bill, coming to the meeting, among his neckties, considered, Lord, which among my neckties would be fitting for the meeting? And it may have been a very brief interaction, but he touched the Lord and considered and, and enjoyed the Lord as he chose his necktie. Now, you and I see Bill with uh, a dignified polyester necktie. But because of how he engaged the Lord, there's now a golden necktie, a pure gold necktie, annexed for the building up of the body of Christ in this age and the eternal age because Brother Bill didn't just rush to put on his necktie, but engaged the Lord and took him as the reality of that necktie. So, um, so minerals and stones are types of Christ. Then Christ is the reality of all the offerings this experienced reality becomes our truthfulness and genuineness and sincerity for the true worship of God. And so, um, the please notice in the in the verse references, it refers again in the Gospel of John to Christ as the reality of the tabernacle of the Lamb of God. Uh, of our sincerity and um, and truthfulness in worship, and compares this to Psalm 100, verse 2, which refers to rejoicing and having joyful singing. And this implies that when we take Christ as the reality of the offerings, we're going to get into them shortly, as the, as, as the reality of the offerings and enjoy him as we apply these in our present day experience, he, through our applying of the offerings in this way, becomes our personal genuineness, our personal truthfulness, and renders to us an experience of himself every time we take him as the reality of that offering, and this results in our enjoyment, in greater enjoyment. So, thus joyful singing. And uh, Brother Manoa, you remember, referred in the Life Study of Leviticus to the fact that our praising in the Lord's table can be a bit thin, can be a bit short. Why? One reason may be that we don't have the practice and don't have the exercise of applying Christ in our experience as the reality of all of these Old Testament types. To supplement our taking him as the reality of every positive thing. When we combine these, when we combine these, this uh, gives us manifold experiences for which we can praise him. Now, 
point A is the main offering I'd like to talk about. Uh, this is the burnt offering. <clears throat> A, the burnt offering, which was wholly for God's satisfaction, typifies Christ as God's pleasure and satisfaction. The one who's living on earth was absolutely for God. So, Christ in his life on the earth, Christ in his God-man living, was the living fulfillment of the burnt offering as the one who was absolute for God. Now, in what way do we know that he was absolute for God? In the verse references in John chapter 7, we'll see that what he spoke was the Father's words. What he did was the Father's will. Whatever he did involved a dynamic interaction and personal interchange with God the Father. As a result, he was absolute for God in his living to the point that he went to the cross. You know the scene at Gethsemane. He went to the cross and died the redeeming death that we needed as the extension of his living the life of the burnt offering in his human living, in which he yielded his being. He yielded his being's potential autonomy. The Lord Jesus, as a normal man, yielded his potential autonomy to live a joined and mingled life with the Father, and in doing so, he became the reality of the Old Testament burnt offering. In Numbers 28, verses 1 and 2, it says... My food, my food, the continued burnt offering. The continual burnt offering. So, when we reach a point in our experience of enjoyment and concern that we want to care for God, His satisfaction, His need, His food, what, does he, what is He fed by? He's fed by our taking Him as the reality of the burnt offering and living that out. So how does this happen? This happens, dear brothers, this happens by our taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Now, remember we have, you know, we have, you know, our our daily life is like an ongoing I guess you could say scroll. It just, it just, it just unfolds. It just, just, just keeps going. And it becomes a continuum. The days become weeks. The weeks become months, etc., etc. But when you draw these back and come back to the beginning, it began with an instance. It began with a circumstance. Now, let's just take that circumstance. You can pick, in your experience, a representative circumstance. What would it look like for you to experience the burnt offering in that circumstance? It would mean that you, in the principle of the burnt offering, were absolute for the Lord, as he was for the Father, in that circumstance. And that... Let's say you weren't absolute for him. Then 
in that instance, your experience could involve a variety of things. But let's say you were experiencing him as the burnt offering there. It means that the foundation, the alpha, if you will, of that experience is you contact him. You contact him. And then as you contact him, you have declared, essentially, that he is preeminent to you. That he's ultimate to you. That you're absolute for him. In that circumstance, in that situation, he was your burnt offering. Now, in Leviticus 6, 9, and 12, what was the characteristic of the burnt offering? Was it once a year? Was it once every 10 years? No. It was every evening, continually, till the morning, and then continuing on. And the burning of the offering and the fire were to not go out. So, as we, as we take the incident-specific application of the burnt offering and enlarge upon it and put instance after instance together, what you have is a life of taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, which becomes the life of the burnt offering. Shall we go for this? Shall we develop this? Was not the burnt offering the encompassing offering? Wasn't it the foundational offering? Wasn't it the basis for everything that actually happens in the book of Leviticus? A book on consecrating ourselves to the Lord? Anyway, the, the practical way into this now is that we take him as the reality of every positive thing. Now, please notice, okay. Oh, uh, I'd like to just mention that Hebrews chapter 10 also, also points out, um, verses 5 through 10, also point out that the burnt offering is representative of all the other offerings. If we, if we develop this life of the burnt offering, we have fulfilled taking Christ as the reality of all the offerings. Now, in point uh, B, it says, the meal offering typifies Christ in his perfect humanity, mingled or oiled with divinity as food for God and for those who fellowship with God and serve him. And serve him. So, the meal offering is spontaneously fulfilled by our experience of the burnt offering. So if you recall from the life study of Leviticus, that you can consider the burnt offering to be a noun describing the characteristics of something and the uh, meal offering to be the adjective describing that noun. So Christ as the burnt offering when you saw him live out the burnt offering, how did you describe that? You described that as the meal offering. The perfect humanity. The perfect humanity.
then C, the peace offering typifies Christ as the peacemaker, the one who became peace and fellowship between us and God by dying for us, enabling us to enjoy Christ with God and to have fellowship with God in Christ for our mutual satisfaction with God. And um, here, Christ enjoyed, Christ contacted, Christ enlarging is our peace, for sure, as we have in Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. And you'll remember that the peace offering took the burnt offering as its foundation. So if we say that taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing is an application of the burnt offering, the peace offering, which in Leviticus 6.12 was offered upon the burnt offering, is the spontaneous result of our taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Hope you can follow me there. So the, the peace offering results from our experience of the burnt offering, which applied by us is taking him as everything around us as its reality. Then D, the sin offering typifies Christ as the one who may, was made sin for us and who died on the cross to deal with the sinful nature of our, of our fallen being. So how we thank the Lord that although uh, he was the bronze serpent, there was no sin in him, but he was the sin offering. He was the sin offering for us to restore us to and bring us back to the experience of the burnt offering. Likewise, the trespass offering typifies Christ as the one who bore our sins on his body and was judged by God on the cross to deal with our sinful deeds that we might be forgiven in our sinful conduct. Then we have the wave offering, the heave offering, and the drink offering. The drink offering typifies Christ as the one poured out as wine before God for his satisfaction and also as the one who saturates us with himself as the heavenly wine to be poured out for God's enjoyment and satisfaction. Eventually, as we experience Christ as the reality of every, thing, of every positive thing, he becomes the drink offering to us. And we no longer care for our enjoyment first. We care for his enjoyment first. And we're happy to drink of him as the, as the heavenly wine so that we can pour forth something for his enjoyment and satisfaction by being saturated, by enjoying him. This is pictured by the, the wine of the drink offering. Then six, foods typify Christ, such as bread, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, wheat, barley, milk, and honey. So I think you've recently enjoyed the all-inclusive Christ, and you realize that for us to enjoy Christ as the reality of all these foodstuffs, he's calling us into the enjoyment of himself as the good land, which typifies the unlimited Christ in Ephesians 3.8, which typifies the, con the mystical realm of the consummated spirit in which we are to live and take him as the reality of every positive thing. As we do, we are well fed and we have the reality of him as all these sweet, nourishing foodstuffs. So, saints, let us not... Let all this be a springboard Amen. to catapult us into more energetic, more disciplined, more regulated, more heartfelt 
pursuit of Him in our enjoyment. So we take Him as the reality of every positive thing. We take Him as the reality of every created thing in the, in the material universe. And we take Him as the reality of all the Old Testament types. This will revolutionize our Christian life. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray with our neighbor then. And we'll go on from there. Or minerals typify typifying Christ. I really enjoyed the fact that the children of Israel needed to bring gold uh, to build the tabernacle. In uh, in like manner, we also need to bring gold. But how do we bring gold? Well, before you're coming to the meeting and you're about to put on your tie or you're about to put on a shirt, you uh, you say, Lord. What about this tie? Lord, what about this shirt? Then it becomes a golden tie. It becomes a golden shirt to build up the tabernacle of God. Amen. I'm so thankful to be under this speaking, under this ministry. I just, you know, never appreciated the Old Testament pictures, but we're just now more and more just loving the Old Testament types. They're just serving us in our today's experience of the Lord and just appreciate this this point about the the pendant and it doesn't doesn't really even matter whether you wore the pendant or you don't wear the pendant to the meeting the point is that by interacting with the Lord over this issue long after that pendant is burned and burned up and gone and there's something eternal that was produced that is a material that's building the body of christ this is just revolutionary this is so marvelous i'm so thankful to be able to hear this my feeling is lord jesus i love you and lord i want to love you more You know, this fellowship about us enjoying the all-inclusive Christ and taking Him as a reality of all these things, I got so much help realizing is in the context of the divine romance. We need to love the Lord Jesus. And He, through this, in our interaction, He calls us into His chambers. Hallelujah for our regenerated spirit. I don't know about you, sometimes I, how can I live this way? But we have the capacity in our regenerated spirit. Saints, I want to declare with faith, we are well able. Don't you look at ourselves. Look at our history. Because in our spirit, we can live enjoying the all-inclusive Christ. Hallelujah, I love the Lord Jesus. And we will go on from here today, loving Him more. And He will call us day by day to enjoy Him in all that He is. That's right. We can do it. Because we have a new capacity. We even have a new skill set. I like that. You don't think you can do it? You have a new skill set. Amen. You have, we have a regenerated spirit. Amen. I was considering in the training, you know, Caleb, he was a man of faith, and he said, we can take it. Amen. You know what? He didn't have a regenerated spirit. Amen. We do. Right. So we are more than Caleb. Amen. We can take 
Christ as the reality. Amen. We can experience Him and enjoy Him as all the realities of all the shadows. And actually, we have to. Because we have to complete the experience of the divine revelation. Amen. Paul, I just, the first message to me, Paul had a commission to complete the Word. Did you ever consider that he wasn't? He didn't just complete writing it. He was experiencing it. He was enjoying it. He was the reality of Colossians. Now we are becoming the reality of Colossians. If we just come forward and exercise our new capacity, our regenerated spirit, we can become the book of Colossians. Wow. Amen. Amen. Saints, do you see a new universe? Do you see the universe in a new light? Amen. Right? I really appreciate this um, Roman Roman 2a. Because the universe with the billions of things and persons in it was created for the purpose of describing Christ. Right? And then, uh, you know, I like this phrase. Sometimes, you know, when the Bible becomes real to you, and that logos becomes rhema to your inner being, it's like those verses got added to your Bible for the first time. I got some verses added to my Bible for the first time. And they're Psalm 19. This, this is very striking to me. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the expanse proclaims the works of His hands. Did you know the heavens heavens speak? The heavens declare. The expanse, that's the heavens, it proclaims. Day by day, it pours forth speech. It's speaking. The universe is speaking to us. And night to night tells out knowledge. Knowledge of Him. There's no speech. And there are no words. Right? You don't hear it. But their voice. Their voice is not heard. You don't hear anything physical. In all the earth, their line has gone forth. And their words to the end of the world. Okay. Obviously, the verse goes on. But anyway, I'll tell you this experience. Okay. The first time I began to hear something similar to this, that Christ is the reality of all positive things. In other words, He's the reality of the chair that I sit on. He's the reality of the fork that I use to eat. Sorry. It went right over my head and I closed the book. That was unveiling. That was I was very young in my Christian experience. Then I remember I had this experience. This came back. Actually, that book resurfaced in my Christian experience. And I was a little older in the Christian experience. And I remember I was driving on this road and it was pouring rain. And I could not see. But I began... I couldn't see where I was going. But I began to apply this reality that everything around describes Christ. 
And I began to realize, Lord, You are my road. I don't even see where I'm going. I can't. It's raining so hard. But you know what? Oh, what peace I have. Because I realized Christ is my road. He's leading me to God. And then I realized, wow, I'm dry. I'm, I'm physically dry. It's raining cats and dogs outside, but I'm dry. Because Christ is my windshield. He's, he's the shield protecting me from all the elements that surround me. Have you not experienced Christ as your shield protecting you from the distractions of this age? He's the reality. That's one of the billions of items of this universe speaking forth Christ. And then I realized, oh Lord, you're the real windshield wiper. Wow. Lord, I, I, if it wasn't for you wiping my vision, I'd never see a thing. But Christ is the real windshield wiper. And then I had the experience, Rick, you talked about. Wow. My experience, my enjoyment of Christ. Woo! Oh, I was in the heavens driving down that road. I wasn't in a rainstorm. I was in Christ. Because all the things around me were describing the preciousness of my Christ. And just as you mentioned, Rick, my love for the Lord blossomed anew. I thought, Lord, I love you. I love you as my windshield. I love you as my wiper. And I love you as my road. May we, may we know another Christ. May we see another Christ. May we experience a deeper Christ by seeing Him in the billions of items that surround us. Right? So much spoke to me today. Um, this is the first conference that we've been to, or my husband and I've been to, so kind of new to the recovery. So, but um, so much spoke to me. You know, first of all, the Lord is so patient, <laughs> and um, you know, He just He really does draw us into His chambers, and just falling in love with Him is just <laughs> amazing. But then we have to live every day too. So, um, I, this is more of a testimony of just that reality <clears throat> that I had this week. Um, there, there's a neighbor that I have, and she's young. She's probably in her young 20s, and I see her every day. And, you know, um, I always thought, you know, oh, she seems to be a questionable character, <laughs> you know, with people that hang around her and stuff. And, and, um, she she lives right across the door from me, so I see her in and out every day. Well, this week, I hadn't seen her for a while, and this week uh, another neighbor came and told us that she had passed away. And what happened inside of me? Like I never thought about her other than you know she was a questionable character. But um, what happened inside of me? It was just immediately it was drawn deep into my spirit, and I was like, wow. Every day I walked by this young lady and I never said a word about you, Lord. You know, <clears throat> I never expressed who you've opened to me to know who lives inside of me, who saved me, you know. And here she is so young. We think we have every day, but I, it just hit me so hard. 
and um, I was so sorry. I was so sorry. I can't express how sorry I was. And man, God is good. So apparently this happened like several weeks ago. We had no idea. Like we hadn't seen her. So um, the very next morning we saw a group of people moving her stuff out of the apartment. And we were on our way to work, and I just couldn't let it go. It was more than just somebody passed away. It was, it was more than that. And um, I remember, like, you know, I wanted to go home on my lunch break, and my husband and I worked together. So we ended up going home, and, and like, on the way home, I just had this thought of, what if her car is there? Because her car hadn't been there. And I was like, what? no way. We pulled up and her car was there and she was in it and I was like no way and it turned out very sad thing her mother had been visiting and it was her mom that passed away but everybody thought it was her and she just hadn't been able to come back to the apartment and she was alone and she had no dad no family here and she was sitting in the car just trying to get muscle up you know enough strength to go in and I went and I just, she saw me and I'd never really said much to her, but she opened her car door and she looked at me and I just, I, I, I was able to be present with the Lord and um, listen to her and her story. And then I was able to share my Jesus. <laughs> and um, she gave me her phone number. So we talk once in a while and text back and forth. So who knows? But, uh, that's the reality, you know? It's like God gives us that, that, that beautiful person he is, and he puts himself inside of us. And we can't hide behind the walls, you know? We have to just mingle with him every day and just live him as our reality. So that was my reality with Jesus this week. <laughs> um. So I did not think I was going to come up here to speak, but, um, you know, the Lord is great. So um, a couple of things that I really appreciated was the, the fact that animals typify Christ. And the one that I really enjoyed was the gazelle and how Christ is calling to us. Um, and, you know, we're hiding and he's calling to us, you know, saying, are you going to experience me as the reality? And we're just like, um, no, thank you. And then we go suffer, right? But what I appreciated is that um, if we say yes earlier, then we can enjoy him as the reality in any situation that we're in. Um, and I also appreciated the the golden tie and how... We may, we may think that we might not have anything when we come to the meetings, but even before we go to the meetings, if we open up to the Lord and have that interaction with Him, even those small ones are just about like, Lord, what should I wear? Um, is this okay? Like we can enjoy the Lord in those interactions and the golden tie comes out. Um, and yeah, amen. 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 What can we say but hallelujah? Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm just so encouraged. I just feel like what a revelation we can see now. You know, so often I, I just realized tonight, I put Christ in such a box. Um, you know, Wednesday night, I can find Christ. You know, Sunday morning, 
Christ can be there. But when I'm at work, I'm at work, you know. But what a revelation. Christ is the reality of all the positive things in the universe. Amen. I was just, I was struck by those verses that Tom mentioned in Psalm 19. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The expanse proclaims in all the earth their line has gone forth. In my work, Doing real estate. You know, there's something of Christ being declared. Amen. And I just, I just was encouraged and I just, the, I, may we all be encouraged to pray this year, Lord, give me an ear to hear. Amen. You know, it's not audible, but in our spirit, saints, uh, college students, in your coursework, Christ is being declared. You may think you're studying, you know, mathematics, but really there's Christ there. Amen. You know, at work, Christ wants to be declared. I would just, anyway, saints, praise the Lord. We among all people are so fortunate. You know, there's new technologies, there's new development, new products all the time. All of these are to express Christ. Amen. What an opportunity we have in 2019 to find more Christ. Because the universe with the billions of things and persons in it was created for the purpose of describing Christ. Yeah. Think about that. I, so I'm a, I'm a college student. I, I experience this every day where I think about stuff that I've never thought about before. And I know we've all experienced that. You know, we think about stuff we've never thought about before. But Christ, in his infinite wisdom, knew that we would never be able to fully understand who he really is. So he created billions of things for us to be able to experience him you know he he wants us to look around at our at our loved ones at at our animals at our food guys i love food (laughs) i can see christ in my food i can see christ in each and every one of you and and that's just the tip of the iceberg and one day we'll really be able to experience christ but until then praise the lord that we get to experience him in everyone here. Amen. Amen. Well, I was just really touched by this um, this whole just view of enjoying interacting with Christ over so many different things in so many different um, contexts. And um, I just enjoy that uh, although it's so big, it's so broad that it's very simple in practice, you know, that we are learning to go from just thinking about things and wondering about things and just going about our business to interacting with the Lord about all those things. It's it's just pleasant. <laughs> and um, I really enjoyed these verses lately. I just want to share these verses. This is from Galatians chapter 6. But it really touched me. It reminded me of this. Um, it says, For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation is what matters. And as many as walk by this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy even upon the Israel of God. And this has been my experience even a lot lately that, you know, when I just go about my business and on autopilot, just thinking about things and considering them, I have no peace. There's no peace. But when I bring everything into the new creation, just chat with the Lord about so many things, Peace is upon me, and I sense the Lord's mercy upon me, and this is bringing in the bride. 
Brothers and sisters, we are in a wedding parlor. Did you know your arrangement is a wedding parlor? And, and listen, listen to this statement. Uh, the Lord is waiting with reserved divine demeanor to practically present Himself to us. This is our arrangement. We just need to find Him as the reality of the positive things in our situation. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, brothers and sisters, tomorrow, this is the schedule. We'll come together again at 10 o'clock and we'll meet till 12. Then we'll break. Oh, by the way, there is children's meeting. Okay, and that's for K through 5th grade. Okay, then we'll break till 5 and at 5 o'clock we'll come back and have the Lord's table. And then from 5.30 to 7.30, we'll have the last meeting. Okay? So, um, let's head home and we'll be dismissed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Rest in Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, yes. Enjoy that. Amen. Amen, Jerry.